Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning gathering. If you're part of the Kirkpatrick Memorial family or if you're just logging in as a visitor, you're very welcome. Uh, remember, this service is designed to be played as a playlist, so make sure you have that set up so that you will get the flow of the service. Last week, Paul led us in our reflections on Psalm 122. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Trouble is, we can't go. Or can we? As our banner in Ballyhackamore declares, you cannot come to our house at the moment, but you've invited all of us into your house this morning. And we know that as God's new covenant people, the house of the Lord is now wherever God's people are. So here, in this space, wherever you happen to be, God is with you. And as we as a family gather, we are with you by his spirit. So let us pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning in various places and with many things on our minds and hearts. Some of us are experiencing the relief of gradually eased restrictions. The children are reveling in a new freedom and we are glad to meet folks again. But some of us, because of age or health or other circumstances, are still isolated and with little or no idea of when life will get much different. We give you thanks, God, this morning that you are our one constant in a changing world. You are our one security in a fragile world. You are our one refuge in a dangerous world. This morning, as we lift our eyes to you, we pray that you will come among us by your spirit, wherever we are and whoever we are with, and that you would draw us closer to yourself. Each time we come close to you, Lord, we are made all the more aware of our own sinfulness. We know that in these past days we will have failed in so many ways, in word and deed and attitude. We have not guarded our heart, but have become bitter. We have not been patient, but have become frustrated. We have not trusted you as we ought, but have become preoccupied and anxious. Forgive us, we pray. Cleanse us and renew our hearts. Release us from the guilt and power of sin that we might live freely for your kingdom and for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. We've been looking over these recent weeks at a series of Psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms that were rooted deep within the history and tradition of the Old Testament people as they would walk in pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And after our first praise, Barbara McDade is going to read one of those psalms for us, Psalm 123. But the psalms also have a resonance through history in this part of the world. For those of us who may have Irish or Scottish ancestry, those ancestors would have memorised and sung many of the psalms in their village churches over hundreds of years. So I thought we would start our service of worship this morning with probably the best known of those psalms, the old 100th, all people that on earth do dwell. Let's praise God together. Psalm 123. I lift my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven, as the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he shows us his mercy. 
Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end of ridicule from the arrogant, of contempt from the proud. Amen. Have you ever been ridiculed? Maybe it was in the playground as a kid. I can still remember how the bullies in the playground called me Nazi in primary school on account of my German heritage and how in my teenage years others made fun of me because of my substantial nose. As an adult I've had people say unkind things to me or about me, things designed to hurt me or to damage my reputation. On reflection I've realised that people tend to use ridicule to put others in their place and to make them feel good about themselves. Maybe you know from experience how painful it can be at any stage in life to face ridicule. Have you ever experienced contempt? That's when a person moves beyond uh, wanting to keep you in your place and uh, they try to communicate to you or make it clear to you that they wish you weren't around at all. In terms of their dealings with you, they, they wish you were dead. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that everyone who uh, deals in contempt is going to commit an actual murder. But those on the receiving end of a person's contempt will know how subjectively devastating that can be. Maybe that's why teaching in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us that there's not a whole lot of difference in God's eyes between committing murder and treating a person with contempt. It can be heartbreaking at any stage in life to experience a person's contempt. Followers of Jesus Christ sometimes experience contempt. People who are on a journey to God aren't exempt from ridicule. If you've ever found yourself in this difficult place, I want to tell you this morning, you're not alone. Our psalmist is right there with you. We come this morning to the fourth of our songs of ascent. And when we come to Psalm 123, the journey motif's not quite as strong as in the previous psalms. Psalm 120 was about being fed up with where we find ourselves and setting out on our pilgrimage. Woe to me that I live in Meshach. It's like the animals sang way back in the 60s. We got to get out of this place. In 121, the psalmist's on the road and he's looking for protection and he asks, where does my help come from? I'm reminded of the massive attack songs I used to listen to. Safe from harm and protection. Last week, Paul helped us think about Psalm 122. It's a song of anticipation and excitement about our journey's destination. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Well, that's the point, dear sisters, isn't it? I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. I'm going to Jerusalem and I think I'll like it. <laughs> when was the last time that you were excited about worship, about going to God? We should be. 
we could be. So each of these previous three Psalms, in their own way, speak somehow of a journey. And as I say, when we get to Psalm 123, there's no obvious journey metaphor. No mention of where we started out from, or the terrain that we're travelling over, or of where we're going. But the experience which the psalmist describes here in these short four verses is one that we all recognise. Look at verses three to four. We have endured much contempt. We have endured much ridicule from the proud, much contempt from the arrogant. To be ridiculed by proud bullies. To be treated with contempt by arrogant snobs. These are so common to the human experience that it's really not much of a stretch to say that it's part of every man's journey, every woman's. There'll be times as we journey through life, as we go on our pilgrimage to God, that we'll experience ridicule from the proud and contempt from the arrogant. Let's see what we can learn from this part of God's word for those times on our journey when we're experiencing ridicule and contempt. What is this psalmist, this fellow pilgrim, have to teach us. Let's learn three things from our fellow traveller. Let's notice where he's looking, what he's looking for, and how he can be sure that he'll find it. So first of all, where's he looking for help during this deeply troubling experience? Did you notice, by the way, how prominent the theme of looking is in this psalm? Have a look at those opening couple of verses. Eyes are mentioned four times, and the psalmist talks about looking three more times. Whatever this psalm's about, there's something important here about where we're looking. I don't know whether you noticed it, but this psalm starts in exactly the same way as Psalm 121. Do you remember? Have you started learning it yet? I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In Psalm 121, the pilgrim's lifting his eyes. And he makes it very clear where they settle. He's looking to the Lord. Well, it's the same here in Psalm 123. In Psalm 121, the psalmist strings us along a bit with his Q&A. He tells us, he keeps us waiting before he tells us exactly who it is that he's looking to, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Well, it's the same here in 123. Our psalmist begins by telling us that he's lifting his eyes to you. He tells us that the person that he's lifting his eyes to is the one whose throne is in heaven. But he waits until the end of verse 2 to spell it out, that he's talking about the Lord, our God. In both Psalms, whether he's facing the dangers of the road or ridicule and contempt, the psalmist's clear where he's looking for help. To the Lord, to the maker of heaven and earth, the one whose throne is in heaven. The psalmist doesn't stop there. He doesn't just tell us that he's looking to the Lord, but he develops the theme. He tells us more about the nature of his looking to God, about an intimate relationship that he has with the Lord, 
that of a servant and a master, a maid and her mistress. Remember, our psalmist experiencing ridicule and contempt. He's experiencing oppression for those who want to dominate him, to lord it over him. Bullies have a way of doing that, don't they? They dominate our mind's eye. They want to fill our horizons. Uh, think how preoccupied uh, a kid can be with the playground bully. The psalmist experiencing this bullying, but he chooses not to let it dominate his horizons. He's looking somewhere else and he's able to see his rightful Lord, whose throne is in heaven. This psalmist's happy to identify himself as a servant of the Lord. And we sense as he talks about that, that he feels safe there. That he knows his true master and that he knows that he's kind. So where's the psalmist looking? In the face of ridicule and contempt, he's looking to the Lord, his kind and loving master. I wonder who you look to. I wonder where your focus falls. Perhaps it's not explicit in this psalm, but I'm sure it's implied. We have a choice about where we look, about where we choose to focus our attention. Will it be on the bullies and the arrogant and the proud or on the Lord? In effect, we get to choose our master. Who is going to set the agenda for you? Who's going to determine how you feel? Who's going to dictate to you how you experience your life? Make no mistake about it. That's what bullies are always trying to do. They're trying to lord it over you. They use ridicule to put you down. They use contempt to show you that nobody gets away with challenging or disappointing them. It's all about control. They want to dominate you and master you. Are you going to allow them? Are you going to keep looking to them? Or will you come out from under their oppression and look like a humble servant to your kind and loving master, the Lord whose throne is in heaven? Just now we're going to pause for a moment and enjoy a piece of music. Way back when I was a kid, a Scottish songwriter called Ian White had a go at putting all the psalms to music. I think some of them worked better than others. Psalm 1, 2, 3 turned out great. I really love the sound that he created. It sounds a bit like fans going together to a football match or pilgrims journeying together toward Jerusalem. Listen and enjoy. Wasn't that song just great? Uh, maybe we should try singing it uh, when we get back together. It'd be a great way to learn another psalm. So far we've thought this morning about where our psalmist's looking. He's turning away from the, the ridicule uh, of the bullies and their contempt, those who would lord it over him. And he looks instead to the Lord whose throne is in heaven. 
And that brings us to our second question. What's the psalmist looking for? A quick glance at the closing line of verse 2 and the opening line of verse 3 and we have our answer. Mercy. He's looking for mercy. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy. It's repeated for emphasis. This fella is desperate. It's not surprising, really, is it? It's the cry of every kid or any person who's ever suffered at the hands of bullies. Make this stop. Make this end. Rescue me. Have mercy. By the way, notice that this song is in a plural voice. As much as any individual can identify with bullying of the arrogant and the proud, so can whole communities of God's people. They can know what it is to be treated with contempt. The children of God often find themselves mocked by the proud and treated with contempt by the arrogant. People who have no place for God in this world. Just three weeks ago, we had our Open Doors Sunday and we were thinking together about brothers and sisters in Christ facing persecution in our time. It seems to me that this cry for mercy here in Psalm 123 is one that we can take up for them and with them. Have mercy on them, O Lord. Have mercy. So the psalmist looking for mercy and he's looking to the Lord. What do you look for when you face the bullies? Do you look to the Lord for mercy or do you look to the bully for appeasement? You see, that's what bullies want. They want their ridicule to turn you. They use their contempt to make it uncomfortable for you uh, to continue being who you are so that they can mold you into what they want you to be. Do you allow the bullies to turn you? Do you allow bullies to mould you to their will? Not the psalmist. Whoever these troublemakers are in this psalm, and no matter how much the psalmist is struggling and suffering at their hands, he's chosen not to look to them and not to appease them. He's looking to the Lord for mercy. So now we've answered our first couple of questions. Where is the psalmist looking to? He's looking to the Lord. What's he looking for? He's looking for mercy. Our last question, quickly. How can our psalmist be sure that he's going to find the mercy that he's looking for? Let's allow David, the greatest of all the psalmists, to help us answer that question. In one of his most famous psalms, he prays and he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love. The mercy he's looking for in this instance is on account of his sin and his guilt before God. But do you see why he's so sure that he'll be heard and granted mercy? It's because of God's unfailing love. David's plea for God's mercy is based on his confidence in God's love. Our psalmist too is crying out to God for mercy because he's trusting in God's love. It's two and a half millennia now since our psalmist wrote his psalm. Can we, in 2020, be sure that we're going to find mercy?
How can we be sure? Well, for the same reason, only with greater confidence by far. We can be sure of God's mercy because of what we know of his love. Just think of what we've seen in Jesus. Think again for a moment of how Jesus shows us God's love. He's the master whose throne is in heaven, came to earth to be a servant. He's the one who endured men's contempt. Isaiah told us that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus was ridiculed. Do you remember? His enemies mocked him, even as he suffocated on the cross. Do you see now how we can be sure of God's mercy? God's wonderful gift of his only son to die on the cross for our sins becomes a guarantee, says Paul. That God's not going to withhold any other good gift from us. Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God will give us his mercy. What can we do? To be sure that we rest in God's mercy. We can learn to live in this love of God. I love how John puts it in chapter 4 of his first letter. He says we know and rely on the love God has for us. Have you learned to rely on God's love? How much weight are you putting on the love of God for you? We need to learn to put all our weight right there. Dear friends, as you continue your journey through life, your journey to God, I can't promise that you won't face ridicule or contempt along the way. But the promise of this psalm and the promise of the Christian gospel is that you don't have to live under it. You don't have to look to the bullies. You don't have to let them lord it over you. You can learn to know and rely on the love that God has for you. Look to the Lord whose throne is in heaven. You'll find mercy there. Let's pray. Lord, we live in an ADHD kind of a world. We all suffer attention deficit disorder. We're easily distracted. We look to the wrong things. Save us from distraction from the bullies who want to lord it over us. Teach 
us to focus. Teach us to look to you and to keep looking to you. Help us to gaze long and lovingly to you. Our Father, who loves us. Amen. This psalm has been all about looking, looking to the Lord. Let's do that together as we sing. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Let us come together in prayer for others and for ourselves, that as the psalm says, our eyes might look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Heavenly Father, we lift our eyes to you today, trusting in your sovereign grace and compassionate mercy. Lord God, enthroned in the heavens, we pray for those who lead our nation, locally and in Westminster. We pray for wisdom, humility, understanding and compassion as they make decisions with others to reduce the spread of the coronavirus, to help the recovery of the economy which affects so many people and to lead effectively. We pray that they might communicate in ways that do not cause confusion or dissension. Help us to put our neighbour first and to look out and beyond our own challenges to help others in whatever way we can. Have mercy on us. In a time when we might be judging other people's behaviour even more than we usually do, be it consciously or subconsciously, help us to pull back from measuring social distancing, showing anger at those who are gathering as if all danger had passed, or fueling conflict with family or friends who are more or less careful than we seek to be. Give us boundless grace to avert our eyes, bite our tongue, change the subject, and through all, to choose to love generously. Have mercy on us. We lift our eyes to you, Lord, knowing that you see everything and you have not cut yourself off from us or the world you created. Breathe your comfort and peace into our spirits, Lord, whether we are feeling cut off and lonely and longing to be with others, or disappointed because of cancelled holidays, lack of celebrations for leaving school or graduating, or worried about our children's education and how to work from home if they are there too, or feeling fearful of a future without work and income. For those of us feeling guilt at being unable to visit those who are ill or in care, or who are in pain at the loss of family members and being unable to mourn in community, Lord, be a comfort to us. Have mercy on us. May we turn to you, to your word, and to your people for comfort and wisdom. May we experience moments of shalom, your perfect peace, even through the many disruptions, discomforts, and disappointments of pandemic life. Have mercy on us, Lord, and hear our prayer. Amen. Hi folks, just a very quick few comments and announcements. Um, you'll have got your usual weekly email on Friday and you'll have seen in there that we 
shared some resources. So there's a, a video resource uh, to some reflections that Monty's put up from the book of Proverbs. I'd really encourage you to get a look at those if you get a moment. Uh, there's also a, a story uh, being shared from the guys at LICC. Those stories, the one about, which are so encouraging to inspire us for our front lines. I want to take a little bit longer, just a moment, to talk to you about the other thing that we've put up this week. We've been thinking about how we can encourage people to pray together. Um, Sarah McKee, a member of the congregation, has been helping me think about this. And we've come up with the idea of a virtual prayer room. Now, just to be clear, it's not an actual space. Uh, you can't physically gather in our prayer room. It's really a calendar where we book slots uh, to pray. If you went on there and booked a half-hour slot, it might help you to reintroduce a sense of rhythm and discipline to your life. It might encourage you to see other people praying too. And over time, we might find ways to encourage each other to keep praying together. We're, we're hoping to develop that space later in the summer and into the autumn, but we didn't want to wait until then to launch it. So we've thrown open wide the doors. Use the link in your email, follow that, book yourself a, a half hour slot, come and pray. And let's start to encourage each other to pray without ceasing. If you have any questions or comments about that, get back to me or to Sarah and we'll see what we can do to help you. I'm going to be on leave now for the next three weeks. Um, if you need any pastoral support during that time, get in touch with Mary Rose, our pastoral care coordinator. If you need any help with stuff to do with services or emails, get in touch with Paul our assistant minister and Paul will do his best to help you. Whether you've already been on holiday or are going to get one soon or are waiting for one in the future, uh, I pray God's blessing on you this summer season. Well, thank you for joining with us. I hope you found this a time when you've been able to lift your eyes to our merciful God whose throne is in heaven. Thanks to Barbara and to Gwen for participating and to Christoph for his challenging reflection on that psalm. In a moment, I'm going to conclude with a blessing. And then after that, today's play out music is a little different. It's another version of Psalm 123 by the American band, The Sons of Korah, named after the authors of many of the psalms in the Bible. It's very different from Ian White's version. Uh, it's more like a reflective lament. It may not be possible for all of you to do this now if life usually gets a little chaotic in your home at this stage on a Sunday. But let me encourage you to bookmark this song and to find time, either now or later in the week, to play it and that as you listen, you might reflect on Christoph's sermon and on what God might be asking of you this week. And now a blessing. May God, our Heavenly Father, look down on you and bless you. May Jesus, his Son, look into your eyes with love and walk with you. May God, the Holy Spirit, look after us and draw our eyes ever upwards. And may the triune God, to whom we look for comfort, guidance and help, bless us and keep us until we meet again. Amen.